everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host, John Alba, every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight-up business talk here. No fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and, of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com. Time to step into the snake pit here on DDP Snake Pit, presented exclusively by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. What's going on, everyone? I'm John Albin. I'm joined by two Hall of Famers, the men holding down the fort here on DDP Snake Pit. First, the man with the snake, Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. How are you, sir? Couldn't be better, man. Glad Life's to a dream. That. I love hearing that from you, man. And of course, Mr. Diamond Dallas Page. What's up, DDP? Good man, good. Um, I'm I'm gonna just put over that. Um, I only do stuff that I actually will talk about that I do. I don't tell people to do things that I don't. And uh, if you haven't got a chance to check out that AG one, I tried it, love it. And even he said to me this morning, he goes, "Dude, couldn't be any easier." I just snorted. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, kidding. <laughs> but it's a powder you shake, and I make it every morning. My wife drinks coffee. I, I, I love coffee once in a while, but it's not my thing. And uh, bottom line is I shake that up, drink it down, and I know yeah, you do both. It's easy, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to check something out that's really healthy, really good for you, check it out. It's, you know, First again, thing in the morning. They're on our, our stuff here, um, but they ain't paying me to take it. And I, I actually don't talk about a damn thing. Unless I take it, unless I'm doing it. So uh, just want to let you know about that. And um, Jake surprised me this morning. He goes, damn, AG1's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah with me, isn't it? And it's got one gram of sugar, yet it tastes really good. So I don't know how they do that. Yeah, because everything's clean in it. So, that, you know, for me, everything's got to be healthy. You know that. Okay, let's start it up and let's talk about big men in the business. Let's do oh, that. Oh, guys, you embarrass me. <laughs> well, you're not a big what man. Are you laughing you're, at? You, well, yeah, you're not a big you're man. A freaking you're, midget. That's a, you're, you're drinking that athletic greens. Athleticgreens.com forward slash DDP snake. Get your hands on that. So yeah, let's talk about big men because big men. We've seen such a metamorphosis of what a big man in pro wrestling is. There was once a stigma that a big man had to be seven feet tall. They had to walk like a giant. They couldn't do anything else. And now we see big men doing swanton bombs and flips off the top rope. So we've seen the business change incredibly. So when I say big man, what is each of yours respective definition of that? Go ahead, bro. Um, well, so you got to remember, he's six six. I'm six four. So... A big man to me, if he's shorter in stature but wider, can still be a big man. Like 
Big E is a big man, you know. Uh, Wardlow is a big man. Not they're not that tall, but they're wide and built Bam, and man. strong. Well, Bam Bam was six three though. Yeah, but that's yeah. not giant size. It's not giant size, but yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, you, you look at even Hobbs today with a lot of the guys who were there. He's a big man in AEW. You know, I, um, I think it for me personally, it goes to to me the best. All around, when I when I say all around, the look, the size, the work, the talk, to me, the best guy that you know th- that was out there who could do all that shit was Kevin Nash to me, because he had a great run in both companies, changed the whole format of professional wrestling when him and Scott Hall came in with the NWO. It changed wrestling, especially because it, it blurred the lines through there. But as a big man, the guy could really talk. He had charisma, and it took a long time for him to find that through all the lousy gimmicks he went through. <laughs> but as soon as they put him, let him be Kevin Nash, and Diesel was a, you know, was Kevin Nash, you know, just with a different name. And it was funny when he when he went in the Hall of Fame, just like they wanted to, they put Scott in his razor. They wanted to put him in his diesel. And he's like, from what I understand, you know, uh, no, I'm Kevin Nash. And he went in as Kevin Nash. So to me, big Kev, he to me overall, but if you take, then there's the giant realm of, you know, Paul White, the big show, you know, uh, now, now, AKA just Paul White. But for me, he was giant and they brought him in as, as, uh, Andre's son, which in the world, especially back then, it was still like pretty hardcore wrestling fans. Everybody knows that's not Andre's son. You could could get away with that shit in the 70s, you know, but come the 90s, that wasn't, you know, that was with the internet. (laughs) it, it, It didn't work, but I'll tell you what, Paul White was a hell of an athlete. I mean, he literally, back then, and I've seen him do it when he was in Japan. You know, I saw a video of it. Off the top rope, uh, drop kick. Oh, God. Right. Where'd he, the guy land? <laughs> God, Korea. It was crazy. That's right. But he also would jump off the top rope and do a sunset flip. And we were like, no, dude, just because you can do it doesn't mean it was smart. But you worked with, you know, the, the, the giant. Yeah. But if you go back and I watched a match with him and Stan Hansen, who you got to consider a big man back then. He was, you know, wide. He was big. He was <sighs> bad to the bone. But I watched Andre take, and I, I wish I, I, I probably think I'm crazy, but I swear I remember these two moves did not go together with these two guys. But I swear I remember Stan Hansen arm dragging yeah. Andre. I mean, Andre wrestled when he was a kid, right? Yeah, he did, sure did. He did. Now, you tell about that. Well, you, you know, Andre, they, they said when Andre first came over here, he was in Canada. And guys watched him work out, and they said, hell no, I'm not getting in the ring with that guy. <laughs> and the reason being was he was getting on the top rope and doing backflips. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, he was – he and you got to understand. What the hell? You, know? you, you understand, Andre – also was wearing those cups by the time he was meeting like the ones that the disabled veteran Arthur Borman right. wore. Right. He was wearing those at 46 because I met him personally when he came in to do 
just one thing with WCW, and I'm sure, I'm sure he'd be, he was probably mad at Vince or something, but Vince grabbed that and grabbed them back and, you know, pulled them back into the fold. But he came for the one time, and you know who was actually there too? Hank Aaron was there. Wow. Really? Yeah, Hank Aaron was there. Uh, uh, Andre was there. I actually had a signed ball by damn Hank Aaron. Wow. And I can't, you know, it's in a, it's in a black hole. I had him and, and uh, Buck Owens and uh, Mickey Mantle. Wow. And I, yeah, I've real- got a tiger by the tail. It's plain sheet. <laughs> Buck Owens. Yeah. So, wow. uh, different Buck Owens. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, oh, not the singer? No, oh, no, okay. no. From the Negro League. I'm just messing with you, man. Okay. <laughs> I know you know baseball yeah, yeah. and football and really yeah. all sports. But, um, um, what were we just talking about? Say Andre guy. had a run in WCW, a brief run in it. Yeah, he, just, he had just come in and, and because you just because you can do these things, like what happens to us later? Like Jake was a ground warrior. Like he took bumps, yeah. but you didn't see Jake flying anywhere. Snakes don't fly, they kill my gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but when you produce something like that, that what Andre could do back then, yeah. Yeah. you think, well, I can do it, I should do it. And, you know, eventually, Jake used to tell me, I used to have a thousand moves, and then I had a hundred, and now I have five. <laughs> I do them at the right time. Right. There you go. And make the effect and drive the people crazy. You know, so again, everybody wants to do the things that they can do. And, it's, you know, it's, there's no really barometer no. for where the guys are in their 60s from where they are from in the 90s when Mick Foley came off the top of that cage. That changed the wrestling business. Totally. That changed the wrestling business. And the thing that they're doing today makes that kind of almost look light, what Mick yeah, did. You absolutely. Know, it was never light. It, I was with Carl Malone. He was, he was training with me at that time, getting ready for Rodman and Hogan. And when he was getting a massage and he just looked up for a second and he popped, almost popped off the table. I was like, oh, my God, what the hell was that? But I just couldn't believe Mick took that bump. Yeah. Like, I mean, that could have killed him. That, yeah. I don't know how guys aren't breaking their necks every single night now. I don't know how, but there, it shows, you know, one of the things are we drank a lot. And party a lot. A lot of those guys don't. Yeah, most of them don't. Yeah, that's and fact. so that's one. A lot of guys are straight edge, and I think that's one of the things that helps them with the ability. But back to the big man, Andre could do a, a stuff that you would never believe if you watched it from the eighties on. Yeah, yeah. You never would have believed it, man. I was, I was, because I'm, a, I'm a student of it, especially when you want to work with a big man. It's a, like a big man like that is completely different how I'd work with Goldberg. Sure. Who's a big man? Very much yeah, so. He's 6'3 and 298. You know, it, completely different, but kind of similar. But so, you, have to, you, you have to, like, put it out there as to where they are, you know? So by now you know that on this show we're all about getting better, and one of the ways I've started to get better is I'm using Athletic Greens AG1 every single morning. And I have to admit, at first I was a little skeptical because my wife recommended it to me, and Well, she's recommended some things that don't taste all that great, but not only does it taste pretty good, I'm actually feeling better than ever. And I give 100% of the credit to that to AG one. Let me explain what's going on here. AG one and just one scoop every day, one delicious scoop every day 
has you absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day out. Right. This special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging, all the things. But what's worked for us is it's easy to travel with. It doesn't taste bad. Uh, and man, I just know that I'm getting everything I need in one single serving every day. Uh, I also want to mention, because this is important to me. If you have a weird diet, maybe you're, uh, trying some new things. Maybe you're keto, maybe you're paleo, maybe you're vegan, maybe you're dairy free, maybe you're gluten free. AG one is still for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial, anything. And it still tastes good. Uh, it's also going to support better sleep quality and recovery. It's going to support mental clarity and alertness. And by the way, it's pretty doggone affordable. It costs you less than $3 a day. And really you're investing in your health and that's probably cheaper than whatever you're spending on your coffee, right? Uh, it's cheaper than getting all these different supplements yourselves. And this is almost like investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. But what I'm most excited about is you don't have to take my word for this. Seriously, go just check out Athletic Greens reviews. What you'll find is more than 7,000 five-star reviews. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash snake. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash snake to take advantage and take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash snake. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. I mean, when I wrestled Andre, he was hurt. Yeah. He was hurt real bad, real bad. So there were things that he, there was a lot of things he couldn't do anymore, mm. you know? And, and that's something you never do is expose your opponent's weakness. Because if you do that, you're, you're just saying, okay, I'm going to be the lesser man, you know? So you never expose their weakness. So with Andre, in my time that I had him, I knew that I couldn't knock him down in the middle of the ring because he would have a hard time getting up. So we used the ropes a lot, you know, get him in the ropes. That way he could grab the rope, support himself, pull himself up, do all those things. But I had to do the same thing for Bad News Brown because he had bad knees. Right. If he took a bump in the ring, he was like a bug on his back, man. You know, it was a shame, but that's the way it was. Yeah. So you just don't do those things. You protect those guys. I grew up around a big man. Right. A little bit. My father was seven foot, 425 pounds in his prime. But he went out there and tried to work smaller. He sold like a, like a, like a smaller guy, which 
you know, it's pretty good when a seven foot guy can get sympathy. So you're doing something right, but he would make that he'll work for it. So it's all about how you do your match, how you attack it, how you, how you set it up. I mean, if you set it up with Andre just sticking his hand out and slapping you, you go down, you're going to do that the rest of the match. Right. Well, I, I think we can all agree that a big man is an attraction in professional yeah. wrestling, and they Absolutely. should be. But Absolutely. one of the issues we've run into in recent years is that a lot of these big men, because they're so special, because they're such great athletes, they tend to get overexposed. I mean, Dallas, yeah. you just you just said earlier, uh, you know, Paul White was someone that could do Sunset flips off the top rope if you wanted to. Well, Vince McMahon saw that Paul White was an athletic big man. And because of that, we saw him on TV every single week. We saw him wrestling every single week. When you have someone who has that special it, that special attraction, do you run the risk of overexposing them and devaluing them in the process? Absolutely. How so? Absolutely. Well, you want that big man mentality put on the other guys. So, each guy that he goes in the ring with, he's got to toss him around like a rag doll. And normally you don't want your heels tossed around like that all day long. You, know, you got to build some heat somewhere and you're not going to get it doing it that way. If you leave him in the back as that enforcer, that, that guy that comes in once a month or once every six months and straightens people out. That's what Andre did for years. Yeah, he went from territory to territory. He went territory to territory for usually a week to two weeks. And he would be put against somebody at an incredible heat. And he would get the comeuppance, if you will. You know, he would do a tag match with uh, the favorite baby face. And they would get even for all the the bad stuff that guy's been doing. You know, so that's the way it worked. Different different animal. Yeah. He went to... You know, when, when you're on one show and you're you're around the world. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things, like, when I worked with Paul, Paul White, I always called him G for giant. <laughs> um, because I'll tell you what, that was that was one of the, that is the strongest human being that's ever, you know, he did, he did some stuff with me that I was shocked. <laughs> like, um, and, and we'd set it up, like, I had him not just choke slam me, put me up on the top rope, and then choke slam me. And put me back on the top rope. He did it three times in a row. Thank you. Yeah, but it was also setting up to eventually him take me off and turn it into the cutter. You know, so it was all a setup. Yeah, you know, brilliant um, though, brilliant. Yeah, really, it was. It worked. It worked great. It was was, good, Papa. Oh yeah, (laughs) awesome. But I'll tell you what, what amazing pops that happened. We were in the middle of the match, and. I went to shoot him off. Of course, he reversed it, and he goes to clothesline me. And I'm six four and two fifty at the time, but he's seven foot one or two and easily four hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. So I can do a little luchador spot. So I hook the arm and throw my legs up, and I did the freaking go you know, the cross deal. Yeah. Then let go, come down. Now we're doing the you know the the woo woo. You know, I'm trying the to do such a That's and awesome. Woo woo. And he reaches down to grab my throat. Now, in theory, I'm going to push with my leg just to give him a little bit of a boost. But when I did that, my foot slipped. So he's picking dead weight up. Dead weight. Two, I'm 250 pounds if I'm a pound. And he did this. Whoop. Like I was, <laughs> like I was 
five. <laughs> Which reminds me of what Andre used to do to me. God, I hated it. I hated this <laughs> damn thing so bad. I'd be in the ring with him, and I'd go to throw a punch, and he would just, he, people don't realize Andre had quick hands. Mm. And they're like a catcher's mitt. <laughs> and he'd just throw it up and catch my punch, which just jolted me. You know, it, made, it made my wrist hurt, made my elbow hurt, and my shoulder hurt. It pissed me off, but I couldn't do anything about it. But you know what I'm saying? So what he would do is he'd hit me, and when he'd hit me, I'd go to take a bump. But he wasn't ready for me to take a bump. So he'd reach out, and as I'm flying backwards, grab me by the hair and pull me back up to my feet. Oh, my feet. goodness. Oh my One-handed. <clears throat> God almighty. <laughs> That's why. That's gone. <laughs> you're, you're from, from oh, time. my God. And then he'd knock me down, and this was evil. <laughs> I'd be on, flat on my back, and he'd put a foot on each side of my head. Oh, with your hair? Standing on my hair. Oh, God. Then he'd reach down and grab spot. my arms and pull. Mm. And he just ripped it out. <laughs> and he'd say, giant haircut. You know, that's what he called the spot, the giant haircut spot. So after that happened two or three times, I realized I got to protect myself. So I tried not to land on my back. You know, I'd spin and take the bump on my stomach and crawl off. You know, <laughs> just get the hell out of there, man. You just got to protect yourself because these guys are so friggin' powerful. So they don't know how strong yeah, they, they are. They didn't know how strong it was either. You know, they really don't. So at this point, you know, the guys are all about trying to figure out a way to get better. Well, science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep is going to repair your muscles after a hard day's work, and it's going to improve your cognitive function to strengthen your athletic readiness. And that's why this Memorial day, chili sleep is working with veterans organizations to support our hero sleep and recovery too. Let me explain if you're, if you're not familiar with chili sleep guys, this has been a game changer in my life. I absolutely love it. I love it so much. I travel with it. Chili sleep makes the customizable climate controlled sleep solution that you need. You need it to improve your entire well-being. I say that from experience. I'm sleeping better than ever. I give 100% of the credit to chili sleep. These are water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. And I mean, ideal, like my wife sleeps warmer than I do. I like to sleep a little colder. We can do that. This is like a smart thermostat for your bed. And this cooling technology leverages water's amazing thermal powers for deep restorative sleep. Chili sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. And recently, Chili Sleep has partnered with the Independence Fund for Memorial Day to donate sleep systems and to show gratitude to our veterans. Plus, U.S. military and veterans can get special savings at checkout through Memorial Day weekend. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash DDP snake to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available especially for DDP snake pit listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash DDP snake to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. I remember they were getting ready for WrestleMania two and they had the, the thing in Chicago 
the battle royal with all the right. ball players and stuff. Right, yeah. right. I was there. They had to be come over and do some promo stuff, and then I had to go back to New York because I was going to appear in um, in New York at what the hell, Jake? Long Island, Nassau Coliseum. Coliseum, right. So I went to Chicago, did my interviews, and I go out and I see all these ball players, and I was a Bill Fralick fan. You know, they played for the Falcons. Great, great man, great, huge dude. And of course, you got the refrigerator, and you got two or three others. I can't remember their names right now. And they were talking about going through the match, then you'll do this, and then you're going to come over here, and Andre will do this to you. They said, well, what if we change our mind and we decide we want to win? <laughs> and Andre giggled and said, I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake- he wanted them. He wanted them to try. (laughs) Andre the Giant is such a larger-than-life figure, not just literally, but figuratively. When you say Andre the Giant, you don't need to be a wrestling fan to know who Andre the Giant is. Let me interject here. here. Anyone who's not seen that HBO special on him, that that documentary, it's phenomenal. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, so to have that in your personal record book that I got to work with someone who – transcended pop culture. He transcended yes. sports. He transcended professional wrestling. It was How such special an honor is that for, for you? Yeah, it was so, such an honor. And I thought, man, the wrestling fans really hate me because they keep cheering me on to fight this giant. <laughs> and he's killing me. And about the third match we had, I clotheslined him, which was stupid. Did you tear your shoulder? He went through me. Right. <laughs> I thought it dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> I went down in such pain, man, and I'm pulling on you. know how you grab it and try to pull it back onto your body? Yeah. He reached down and grabbed my wrist and jerked me to my feet. <laughs> I passed out from pain. Passed out. Is that when he put the bear hug on? Yeah. You? <laughs> I woke up and he's, he's singing to me a lullaby. <laughs> oh, little baby, no sleep. That's scary when you wake up to a giant singing a lullaby to you, man. Really scary. But I'll tell you one more about Andre. You know, you remember Chuck Wepner? Yeah, was Rocky. Mm-hmm. He was he was a balls up guy, man. Yeah. He decided during that fight that he had with Andre at uh, Shea Stadium. Mm-hmm. That he was going to throw a couple of good shots in on Andre and see what happened. <laughs> he told me, he says, Jake, I hit him three times as hard as I could. As hard as I could. And he was wide open because Andre was working. Right, right. He said, I said, what the, what happened? He goes, he picked me up and put through me seventh row. <laughs> and if you watch the film from that, you'll see Andre scoop him and just walk over and toss him out there in the, in the crowd. That, that's probably where the spot came with Hogan and uh, Sly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thunderlips. Yeah, in Rob Rocky Three. That's probably where that spot came from. Let me tell you how we talk about strength of these guys. You know, I, Kimberly and I were on the road, and I was tagging with Paul somewhere. You know, being I was a baby face by that time, and we were going against Harlem Heat and Stevie. Stevie, he He's was large. he was three hundred plus pounds. Book was huge, man. He was about 265. He was big. 
And they both came on him on the corner. Boom, 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 boom. And I think they must have caught him with a couple. And he just went, he came out of that late, you know, bent over position. And they went flying through the rigs. I just made the tag. So they tried to attack him coming through the ropes. And they went, woo. And I looked at Kimberly. I go, did you see that? Oh, my God. But when we were doing our angle, the angle was at one point, WC letters. Those letters weighed like 100, 150 pounds. He grabbed those letters like they were five pounds. Boom, boom, boom. Now we're going to go up on that platform, and he's going to choke slam me, and I'm going to fall probably about eight or ten feet and then hit you know the stage and go through that. And all there is under there is a blow-up mattress, yeah. right? And I look at we're best friends. We drove together. Oh God, I have so many funny stories of us driving together. But he grabbed me by the throat and he goes to look and pick me up. I go, and I look up at him, I go, gee, I haven't signed my contract yet. Let's <laughs> go. He goes, Oh God. He Sorry. Picks, he picks me up. <laughs> And he turns me again. I'm 250 pounds. I can't remember how he did it, but he turned me, and you can almost see him laying me as far as he can go just, just, <laughs> to try to lay me flat. Oh, that's great. And, and the impact hurt, but nowhere near as much as if he just oh, picked me up and, for that shit. Yeah, and tossed me. You know, yeah, the big man in that scenario, they, they don't know their own strength. Um, yeah, let's go to another guy, Goldberg. Goldberg was such a beast. I mean, he, I, I did spots that I made my own that I probably got from Terry Funk or somebody, you know, like friggin' where, you know, do the friggin' tackle, boom, tackle him. And I've go through the ropes myself, you know, oh, yeah. take the bump out and just making him look like the beast that he could, you know, he could be out there, you know, like just, and I remember one time we were down at power plant and he goes, sweep my feet. Now flip around on my feet. I went, you what? And I what? swung through and he went, Whoosh. but he could just show his agility. What? He was yeah. a yelp. It didn't hurt him, but uh, he, he was, he was strong as hell out there, boy. Um, and, uh, you know, consider you go back, look at the match we had. He went and been working a year, you know, when that happened, or maybe it's a year and a day or two. I don't know. But uh, he was pretty green, but he did a hell of a job. Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy was a great fucking, uh, great big man. He was a great big man. He would fly. You know, one question I often get asked is, how can I listen to ad-free shows? Well, the answer is simple. You plug directly into your normal podcast app, like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, and you do that through an RSS link. And then you just listen like you always would. Except no commercials. Here's something else you may not know. You not only get the shows early and ad free, but you also get a ton of bonus content with adfreeshows.com. You also get early access to many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts from William Regal's new show to the road dog, Brian James to Matt Hardy and so much more starting at just $9. So quick Scott Steiner math tells us that's less than 20 cents an episode each month. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling today. Check it out for yourself at adfreeshows.com. And if you're looking for the ultimate gift for the wrestling fan this Father's Day, you can now give the gift of ad-free shows. Head over to adfreegift.com right now to purchase an ad-free show subscription to get over with someone special in your life. 
this Father's Day. That's adfreegift.com. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Regarding Goldberg, Goldberg is an elite athlete, right? Like comes from the NFL, great college football player, elite athlete. How difficult is it for someone who is that size with that athletic ability to learn their own strength? You just said before, Dallas, that a lot of these guys don't know their own strength because Goldberg over the years has had that stigma of, well, he can be a little rough. He can be a little bit. He he was snug. You, You couldn't see through his shit for a reason. Right. <laughs> I mean, he, he was coming with it. Wasn't going to hurt you intentionally, not, not try to hurt you. You know, he just, he, he wanted you to get, bring it back too. you know, which you know, I can remember. I brought my, my, my voodoo doctor, one of my best friends, Dr. Ken West with me to that match. Cause I knew I was going to be sore, you know, from Sunday. And then at the, maybe main event on Monday and they're going to put me back over after, you know, doing the job for Goldie, you know? So I brought him to make sure I had a step up and I, I felt great. The match was super physical, but I felt great. We went to go eat. It's one of the places there in uh, MGM and I went to reach for the salt. And I went like, Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my God, I had a bruise. I don't know how, but it went like this big. Ooh. I don't know if it was clotheslining them. I don't know what it was from, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was there. Someone of that that stuff, you know, when you don't really feel it out there, you feel it, but you don't. Yeah, like, you don't. When you really feel like when I broke when I broke, ruptured my L four and L five in my back, when I tore my rotator cuff, I thought someone shot me. Yeah. Like literally with it, like, like, like here, boom, in the shoulder. When you get hurt out there and you know it, it's bad. You're really hurt. You're not hurt. You're injured and you're going to be out for a while. You need to get the hell out of the ring. (laughs) And some guys go like, I know when Paul Levesque, Triple H tore, you know, I know Uh, this story. When he tore his quads, he kept going. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was driven and going to make the, he's going to get to that spot where they can get out. Yeah, finish the match. You know, when I got dropped, on, <sighs> when I dropped myself on my head, when I when I almost broke my neck with Bob Holly, and we were both laying there, and he's going, oh. And when it happened in that match, it, you know, I lit him up in the corner, and now my punches look great, and I, I barely touched you. I <laughs> 90% of the time shot him off the turnbuckle. He throws up the boot in the last second. I thought I had a time, but boom, it caught he me. Moved. <laughs> Either one of our necks, like don't go too far. You know, uh, and it, it gets to here. That's it. That's it. So you had boom. Me, whoa. Look, me looking up is this. There you go. <laughs> so when he hit me and jacked me a little bit, but I would always be gone because Bobby, when he came running with that clothesline, baby, he was coming. So I'd just be gone. Well, I was discombobulated. So when he hit me with a clothesline, it knocked me out. 
And I completely forgot where I was in the match. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he picks me up and he slams me. I know it. I'm looking, is there a red light? Like, because I've been knocked out a bunch of times by that time. And, but out on your feet is such a weird, strange place. It's like you stepped into a twilight zone. So I programmed my inner brain to look for red light, look for red light. Because if there's no red light, I'm just going to say, throw me to the floor. Yeah. You know, like get me out try room. to wake me up where the hell I am. But there is a red light. So I know we have a time limit. I'm on TV. And as he's slamming me and I'm going, Bobby, you knocked me out. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> he slams me, goes, going up the top, stop me. And then at some point I remember I used to love, I hated when a guy would walk up and just push his legs up or I would dive on the rope. Yes, you which did. Which makes the guy wiggle and fall and, yeah. and, and not shot himself. Right. And then I come over to him and I hit him a couple of times and I climb up first rope, come up second row, and I got that top, I got that one foot on the top rope. I go, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I, I got to get him flat. So I'm so hyper focused on getting him flat. I literally land on the top of my shoulders of my neck. Oh, and when I, I thought I broke my neck, but I felt the shit through my hands, through my feet, and I'm going, oh, and I'm just rolling. I'm, I'm just rolling and moving fingers, moving fingers. Like I'm thinking, please, God, please, God, please, I, put, no, I didn't break my neck, you know, and Ooh. I hear him going, oh, <laughs> and I'm literally thinking to myself, what the hell is he bitching about? Yeah, I no know. shit, I died. I laid him flat. So we go to the back. You know, he, goes, he goes, you okay? I'm like, no, let's go home. So friggin' the finish was he caught me with something and then I spun, you know, one, two, three, and then he spun it. And then I fucking hit him with diamond cutter and I go off. And I, of course I'm getting that in no matter what, yeah. <laughs> you know? So fucking we get to the back and he comes up, he goes, dude, I am so sorry. He goes, I know I caught you with that boot. I go, hey, no big deal. It's not checkers. Right. He goes, but you know, I know I really got you with the clothesline. And he had huge biceps, probably like 19-inch biceps. And you could see my jaw imprint. <laughs> he goes, I thought I tore my bicep on you. Oh, I killed you for that. Oh, and, <laughs> and, yeah, right. Brilliant. He goes, I thought I tore my bicep. And then he says, but you got me back. I got your back. How the hell did I get your back? He goes, dude, however you landed. When you landed, your feet came around so oh fast. My God. You hit me in the dick so hard. Oh, my my God. On fire. Uh, oh it burned. Oh, yeah. oh God, that's bad. Yeah. Your dick's on fire. It's bad. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. folks, oh. don't try that at home. Oh, my God. <laughs> you get stung so bad it feels like it's burning. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, oh, it, my it, God. It got a good laugh, but you could make, Jake, you know this feeling. Oh, yeah. From that moment, I'm doing this. Sure, you know? sure. Like, there's not even this at all. No. It's just. And I went right to the trainer and go, I think I really hurt myself, man. And so, you know, I went to train. That, that was my last match before coming back years later to do Rumble. And that oh, was my last match probably for two and a half years that I came back into TNA. And just because of doing all the DDPY, my whole body got strong. I'd broken up some scar tissue. But look, I didn't need to have my neck fused. It was already fused in two places. Yeah. Once from birth. You know, and once from abuse, yeah. you know, so I basically had it fused in two spots. That's why the limited, yeah. especially this side, not bad. That side, that's it, yeah. you know, but nothing compared to like him. He can't lay down and drop his head back on, on a pillow. <laughs> nope. 
Yeah. My head will still be that far off of it. Mm, yeah, so. it's, it's crazy looking. Well, but you know what's amazing, man? You can talk to a thousand wrestlers and they can all give you a story about that time they got hurt. But what's amazing about it is 999 of them still finish their match. Mm. Adrenaline, the passion of wanting to finish this, just the the guts, the intestinal fortitude. Yeah. I don't give a shit who you are. I mean, I broke an arm out there and the bone came through. My opponent threw up on me. <laughs> what a jerk. I'm trying to finish the match. And he's like, your arm. And he's spewing on me, man. <laughs> well, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird that. feeling, man. <laughs> Well, Jake, I actually saw not not your arm protrude your your skin, but I, I saw a, a big man getting hurt, and it's someone that you're familiar with, and he finished the match, and that's Lance Archer. Uh, I was at yeah. the Dynamite in October, yeah. was where where he hurt his, I believe, is his yeah. neck or his back, and yeah. he finished he finished the match. He got through yeah. it. I want to talk about Lance Archer for a second because you've obviously gotten a chance to know him. I yeah. think Lance is one of the most underrated big men of his era. And I, I, I'd love to hear what you have to think about Lance Archer and what he brings to the table. It is so frustrating for me to see Lance in the spot that he's in. He's such a phenomenal athlete. He's in such great shape. There he is. He's got an unbelievable look. The only thing Lance doesn't do really well is talk. And that's why they brought me. That's why you're there. Yeah. So that was my spot and, and I'm grateful for it, but I've tried to help Lance learn and, and teach him a little bit and he's getting it. He's getting it, but there's nobody out there like him. Well, Not know, his size. Well, one, one good kid just came in there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I'm hoping now William Morrissey, which is his real name. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully they'll get those two to, you know, there's 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 some there's some money there uh, yeah. with those two, but I think uh, you know, and it's so weird for me to call Cass his real name, William Morrissey, because I've known him for Cass for since he broke into business. But uh, that kid, I mean, I look how he came back, and uh, I'm so proud of him. you know. Come, first of all, doing the, doing all the right things, doing the right rehab, and putting the time in, and didn't take the first time, so he went back. And he put he put the work in, and he worked on his body, and he worked on his conditioning. And man, he, when he had somebody up, pushing him too. I just want to bring that up. Yeah, right. Yeah, one of my diamond daughters, uh, Lexi, and him. They, you know, they she's a she's a just a shining star she is. for him. She is so and really, uh, really. And now she's now she's on a AEW doing uh, doing the. Um, the interviews and stuff and doing a really great job. Uh, Cause she's, it's been three years in the making. She paid her dues. She, you know, I she worked with her. For a yeah, you worked with her directly. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. was good. Absolutely. I, I videotaped that as a matter of fact. It just was to, fun. Man. Just to have she was hungry for it. Yeah. You know, she was really hungry for it. Yeah. So and, what and, and Cass, I think Cass could go on. He has the potential to be, you know, one superstar. The, the, the big men, of this era, you know, he really, he's still young. He's like in his early thirties and he's got a lot of potential to, to really take it home. 
So why does he have that potential? What intangibles does he have that can help make him a world champion? Well, well first you have to look at him, the yeah. look. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a handsome son of a bitch. You know, his body he reminds me of me a lot. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but he but he has he has the he has the body, he puts the yeah. work in the gym. Yeah. He's got the physical ability. He's a great athlete, yeah. you know, and he can talk. You know, and he can talk. He's got charisma. He's got is he's got all the it factors. It'll be interesting to see where you know where his career goes over the next two years. Like any, you know, anytime any of those guys that, that I'm tight with, you know, uh they, they need anything. You know, I'm always there just to help, just a suggestion. You know, I, I like I'll, I'll give suggestions. And I don't I don't never get my feelings hurt if they don't take it. It's like, hey, you do what you you do what works for you. Like when I talk to Cody about making that move. I let him tell me everything you want to do. And I just gave him some suggestions, you know, and that's all I did. And, you know, and look at him now, man, he is on fire yeah. right now, you know, with uh, WWE. And I mean, really like the, the move was brilliant because I tell you the thing, I love the AEW fans. I think they are so wild and crazy and passionate, but I was kind of like blown away that they would turn on him and start booing him in AW at that towards the end of his, it was really almost like the send off, you know, he created that. If he never says, if he never says the, you know, the tender him and the young bucks and Kenny Omega, he felt like they could draw 10,000 people. AW never happens because there's never is. And all yeah, in. True. And then what I love the most, and I got to get this off my chest because we didn't talk about it when we did the Rhodes family. You know, I'm so glad that Code got to give that last promo where he talked about, you know, because, you know, I, I really like uh, CM Punk and I like what he did. And they talk, you know, they talk about the, what do they call it? The pipe bomb. The pipe bomb. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, the pipe bomb interview. But Cody got to go out there because he did the pipe bomb. Like he did leave the company, go in, had no, I don't know what he was making back then, but I'm guessing about a half a million. Ask for his release and go. Yeah. And go on this journey of independence. He was working five nights a week. He just wasn't working weekends. He was working all over the country, Mexico, UK, Japan. He was working everywhere just to be out there and re like, Reboost his energy system because of you know the face paint that he left in you know WWE last time. And bottom line is prove himself at a different level. I'm so glad he got to do that that promo on the way out. And uh, I really like that him and Tony Tony Khan. I think he's one of the coolest son of bitches on the planet. I love that guy. Um, really good guy. I'm glad that they got to leave on good terms because that doesn't always work like that. No. You know, but that's no, no Cody will probably be back. Well, I don't know. We'll that's a pretty after pretty... he buys the company. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. I, I want to go back Who to knows? Lance Archer here to make a bigger point, And I'm curious yeah. what your guys' assessment is of this. I think the reason Lance has become so good as a talent, Jake, is that Lance has worked everywhere. He was in the yes. WWE developmental system. He was yep. in TNA. He had a great run in New Japan. And I think New Japan does great work with big men. Uh, look at um, Matt Bloom, the WWE head of developmental. He had the giant Bernard run in New Japan. What does working in different ter territories like that do for a big man like Lance well, Archer? Well, it's real simple. It doesn't, it doesn't do it just for big men. It does it for everybody. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that's how that's how we used to learn was in the territory days, you would spend six months here and you'd move and you'd go here. Each time you moved, you're seeing fresh stuff come at you. And, and you get to pick out what you like, what fits your character. Ah, oh, here I can add this twist to it. Then you go to the next place and the next place. It's kind of like doing stand-up in different little places. Like Jerry, even a guy like at the height of his career, Jerry Seinfeld or Chris Rock, they just don't go and do a big show. No. They do all the little, got it little shows. You, you got to. It's what gives you fresh stuff. It's where you get reinvigorated, right? if you will, because you're having to start at the bottom again and go to the top again. There's an art to that. How to get over. Well, once you've been several places, you know how to get over. Right. You know how, how to do it the best way for you. And that's what a lot of guys don't understand. They think that you just got to go in and win some matches and you're going to be over. No, 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 no. It's a lot different than that. You know, you brought him up earlier. and you, I've known him since, I knew him since he was 16, which is the beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Those guys with Bam Bam were 16, 17 years old in high school. Because we come from the same, like 10 miles, six miles apart, our homes were, you know. Uh, <laughs> and kids would come up to like, they're the heavyweight. They'd see him. They'd forfeit. Yeah. Like Steve Williams, Dr. Death. Oh, yeah. In no. college, Dr. Death. <laughs> and and for, for, for Bammer, you know, uh, when he went to Japan, that's when he went to a whole different level. Agreed. Man. And the feuds he had with another unbelievable big man, Vader. And Vader, man, he was, I mean, he, both of those guys for 400 pounders moved like they were 220. You know, they in their prime, when they could still go and still move, they moved like that. Another one, Yokozuno. Yeah. Oh, my God. Rodney yeah. was, when I first saw Rodney back, God, back what when he was AWA. What a shame. I mean, what, what, what a, what, what, what a, what a performer. And everybody, I mean, he was a real deal, man. I mean, Rodney was amazing, man. And what he did with the whole thing with, with Bret Hart and that yeah. whole deal. Uh, yeah. The thing he did with Lex, too. Lex, too, yeah. Yeah. You know, like Lex, you, you don't consider Lex a big man, think like that, but he was. He was 6'4", yeah. 285 pounds. Like, he, 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 he cut the ribbons. <laughs> oh, man. With the greatest body ever, you know, as far as, you know, <laughs> professional wrestling. But uh, mm. <clears throat> Lex was... Lex was a lot of fun to work with. I, I had a lot of good times with him. Uh, and when you go, when you're a big man like that, <clears throat> like they get cold. I mean, they get, they get, they sweat, sweat a lot because carrying all that muscle outside. Yeah. So if I was on the, if I was on the road with Luger and the car, I would, in the middle of summer, I bring a ski jacket. Like, because he would have the AC yeah. on full, yeah. and it would be, I'd be cold with a damn ski jacket. It's hard to keep all this meat fresh, too. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dallas, you brought up Yokozuna, and you know, what, what about wrestling matches, when you're planning it out, you're trying to tell a story, right? You're thinking, okay, what story are we going to tell? What I love about a guy like Yokozuna is you take one look at Yokozuna, and you know what the story of the match is already. Yeah. You don't you don't have to go out there and reinvent the wheel. Uh, what no. do you think about that assessment, Jake? Uh, it's true. I mean, you realize there's only you're going to be limited 
And he's already impressed the fans. They believe. Yeah, right. He's a real That's guy. the thing. The same thing with Andre. When he came to the ring, and this son of a bitch is this much taller than everybody else. And here's the thing. I got pictures of me wrestling Andre, and I weighed 260 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I looked like some punk from the schoolyard. Because <laughs> he was like 500. Yeah. He doubled my weight. But the girth is what matters, man. And it just... Once you see it, you believe it. Yeah. Some guys have to go out there and, and work their tails off to show that they're tough some bitches and badasses. Those guys walk to the ring and the people are going, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's going to screw somebody up, man. You know, and, 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 and you know, just think, if you think of that guy, you know, yeah. you think of Taker as far as, yeah. talk about a guy who came, you know, and, and just owned it, you know, going in the Hall of Fame, I mean, what a presentation they gave him. You know, it was amazing. You know, he earned uh, it. He damn right he earned it. You know, he, he was he was the top dog there for you know he was the guy, you know, for a long time. For a long he, time. Even when Steve came in and Steve became the man, you know, Tate was right, right there with him. And what what I loved about working with him is man, he never, he was like working with Jake. Like his shit was 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 snug, but it was never like Oh, Ow. damn. Ooh. I mean, it looked like he was ripping your head off and, you know, and it barely, just barely touching you. You know, he really, for a big man like Nash, he really worked well. There was things you had to feel, but even, I mean, everything that he ever did to me, I was like, damn, this cat's really easy to work with. And that's so important for the big man to learn quickly. Because if you go out there in that ring and you start busting dudes up, there's going to be people shy away from getting in the ring with you. Yeah, 100%. You know, or or they're not going to trust you. The moment trust is gone from a match, that match starts to smell. Because I'm not going to give you everything. I'm not going to push all the way. I don't trust you. You're not picking me up that way. No, hell no. We're not doing that move. Yeah, and and another guy who who had that same talent is Kane. You know, who's like six eight and bringing three hundred plus pounds and just just as underrated. Uh, no, yeah, I will go as really far right. to he say great, I think Kane is the most underrated big man in the history of wrestling yeah, yeah. because yeah. he, from what I understand, he was used as like a litmus test for guys. MVP has told this story before when he was just getting on the main roster. They put him in the ring with Kane and they said, yeah. "All right, tell us how the match goes." And See, how it goes. Yeah. Wh- wh- why why was Kane so good at what he did? What intangibles did he have that made him great? Well, it's probably because where he came from. You know, Tennessee area, you're going to learn a lot there. You're going to see a whole lot. And Kane was smart. No, that's what I was going to say. The cat's smart. The cat's like, I don't know if you call it the mayor or the city cat, whatever, he, the top guy in Knoxville. Yeah. This cat, like everybody else is doing, Glenn's reading. Like I see him at Comic Cons. Yeah. He's really, he's a really educated, by the way, did you see the picture that he put up there? About the you didn't see it no. on Instagram? I'll pop it up here now. Bring in uh, the picture. He, he said, thanks to DDP Yoga oh, for helping. He started the program. He's ripped. Yes. I was like, I, I said That's all thing. we need. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just, I was touched. I was touched. That he put that up there. and Because and I, you know, I gave him a program a, a long time ago, but I didn't know he was actually doing it or not. Because you never know. You know, I know some guys, I got a call from, you know, from, uh, um, 
from Black uh, Malachi. Yeah. They're, they're just talking about the program and stuff, you know, because he's one of the guys who've been doing it. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's always good to hear that the guys, I know that it's helping them, but Glenn really touched my heart with that. And uh, again, he was a guy out there just, just like Cake that, you know, looked really snug, but just snug enough that it felt good, but it would never hurt, never hurt you. you know, after, after his run with, with Taker, he knew he had to find a certain spot and he found that spot being the lipid test. How, what was his longevity? A lot of years, bro, man, a lot of years. Now, big men normally don't go that many years. No. Somebody that did what he did and they just can't, they break he, down. He reinvented himself quite a few times too. Oh, that's- um, Many, How many times did they demask him and do this to him? That's just you can't, you can't, you can't kill real talent. Can't. Even, if, even even not trying to kill him, but bad booking sometimes, you can't kill real talent. You, you can't, can't. It's gonna real talent. The people they've already got the people. Yeah, you know, and they own the people. Yeah, and I, I you know the, when it comes to big men, there's been a lot of really good big men in this in this yeah. industry. When you, you know? step back and look at it, yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, uh, one thing that I want to dive into here before we wrap things up is it's so easy for a big man to be a heel because it's natural. They're imposing, they're tall, they're muscular, whatever it may be. But then you get some that catch on like baby faces and maybe there's a little bit of pressure for them to do more tricks, play more than just the greatest hits. And sometimes that leads to guys kind of losing their path, losing their track and and maybe exposing themselves a little bit. What piece of advice would you guys have to a big man in pro wrestling who's looking for that longevity? Like you just said that a guy like Kane or a guy like The Undertaker had. Don't do more than what is needed at that time. I think sometimes all of us expose ourselves to doing too much when we don't need to do too much. And it's a fine line. You want to go out and have your best damn match. How do you do that? It's not by doing every damn thing you can do. The the old less is more. Less is more, yeah. Which is is so much... You really, there's two things that Scott Hall taught me early on before he left to go to become Razor. And one was, and you, you, you preached it a bunch too, less is more. Yeah. But the other thing, which is huge for every guy who's especially starting out, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. Yeah. And I called Scott, but both of those finally, like, they hit you at some point. Like, you can hear it, you can say it, but then you got to do it. Yeah. You know, you got to let everything catch <sighs> up because the people, you know, it's like they're talking to There are guys today that are doing that and really becoming good, really great storytellers. You know, and anything pretty much that, like I say, Brian Danielson has been, <sighs> been great storytelling. CM Punk, <clears throat> MJF, they, these these are things that have been great storytelling. And then there's other guys that are doing just, you know, a lot of stuff and getting over with the fans, but... They could be so, so much more. Yeah, so if they just, just took a little bit more time, you know, you think you're going too slow, slow down, sell, let the people grab it, give them a chance. Instead of chanting, this is awesome, maybe it's your name. Yeah. Like, 
getting them to connect with you personally. That's, is, that's where longevity comes. And that's what Jake, when, when Jake would watch my matches, you know, back when, after he moved out, after he lost the 12 foot, 12 foot black cobra in my house and Kim said, he's got to go, you know, we couldn't we, believe it. We, uh, <laughs> We, we, you know, we worked together. Even when I went back to WCW, I would come out to his house and Cheryl, him and Cheryl were living and the kids and he'd watch my tapes and he would like, like reinforce that about that slow down, let the people catch up to what you're doing, you know, and give yourself a chance to sell. And I'm the heel at the time, you know, and get out of the, get out of the ring and slow it all down. Then bring it back together. So instead of taking, and I took a lot of bumps, but instead of taking 50 bumps, maybe I took 22. There you go. You know? It's just like, and it's better for your body, and it's better <clears throat> for the storytelling. And it's, it's, it's something you have to catch up to. You know, when these kids go out there, and they go, bing, da bang, da bing, da bing, da bing, da bing, da bing, and then you hear, this is awesome, this is awesome. It's because the fan can't think of anything else to say. Well, they are blown away they're, too. They're, they're blown away because and, of all of this spectacular stuff that they've just done. Like they're far better. But the athletes. problem is, the fan never gets the opportunity to, to think about what just happened. Mm, to digest it, so, they got to digest it. Then they got to replant themselves in the seat and get ready for the next thing. But another reason why they think this is awesome is because they're doing stuff oh, that, yeah. that what, is, what is it called? Physically. Cir Circus Soleil guys yeah. don't do. Yeah. You know, Circus Soleil guys climb up walls and all that shit, but they don't fall down. No, they don't. Like, I much. watched my boy Darby <laughs> Allen the other day. I oh, saw gosh. it on Instagram. He did, uh, uh, I mean, a dive off the ladder that, I, I mean, he's, he's, He's the rubber band man. I'm so happy that he stays pliable, you know, to be able to take it. I seen him three days after that. And he seen me coming. He's like, oh, boy. He's already <laughs> ducking me because he knows I'm going to chew his ass. What the fuck are you doing? I said, tell me what you were thinking before that. He goes, Jake, I was sitting, standing, starting to go up. When I got up there, I thought, well, I'm here. I'm going to the hospital. <laughs> I know I'm going to the hospital this time. He said, and I was quite shocked that I didn't. <laughs> it's really said, amazing. It's really amazing. I hit, and I thought, and I started moving stuff, and it all still worked. I thought, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> I said, that's the worst thing you're going to tell me. Who caught him? Because I couldn't. It was Jeff Hardy. Well, Jeff has been that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You he, know what I mean? he was usually if, that any, if anybody's going to catch you, Jeff Hardy should be the guy. Yeah, well, he's going to, he, he knows what you're about to feel because he's felt that that's another guy that, again, I don't see how he's still walking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it just goes, you know, for the, you know, it, it's, Rick well, they're, Flair, not, they're not working seven days a week. That's that, part that, of that's, it. That's part of it. But Ric Flair said it best. He said, it's amazing what the body can get used oh, yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, I was yeah. like, mm, yeah. And he's right. Because yeah. when you're doing this shit like three or four or five nights a week. Yeah. Your body never gets get, a chance to hurt. Yeah, it gets you, but it gets used to it too. Yeah. As opposed to, like when I see the guys doing it one day a week. Oh, man. I don't want to do like, that. Yeah. I, I started too old. If I was younger, you know, feeling that maybe it doesn't hurt as bad. Uh. Not but, one day a week, brother. I don't yeah, want that. That beat me up. 
Oh, let's get back. Let's close it out with yep. the big man thing, man. So uh, let's 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 close it out. Indeed, gentlemen, gun to your head. Who is the greatest big man in professional wrestling history? Each of you pick one. Oh, God, I'm still saying Andre. You know, it's, you know, for me, you know, if you're going to say like the giant, then it's, you know, I would say Andre, too. But if it's going to be the big man's overall, I'm going to say Kevin Nash from, from like I said, right in the beginning. And I put Take right there too. You know, Taker's got to be right next to him. You know, so, but Kev's going to be my. You know, if I'm picking a, you know, how about Brody? Brody, there's another great one. You know, there's another great. There's so many. Never got to finish. There's so many of them, but I'm going to send it out to Big Kev on mine. I like it. That's that's a strong move. I like it. Yeah. I mean, you, you you mentioned Bruiser Brody, but I'd even say that one of the most underrated guys I've ever seen as a big man was the late, great Brody Lee that we just lost a few years ago. I thought he was one of the most yeah. underrated big men I've ever seen and wish he He's could six, have had six, a little six, more man. of a run. I mean, at least. He, he was a great worker, man. Um, just want to give him yeah. his flowers. But this was a great conversation, guys, and I really appreciate the insight that you shared with all of our fans here on DDP Snake Pit. A reminder, guys, check out both Jake and DDP on Cameo, as you can, every single day. They got some great stuff going on there. And Dallas, uh, the rumor mill is suggesting that our European friends might be seeing you sometime in the next calendar year, I hear. Yeah, sometime in April, we're going to do a DDP Yoga Workshop tour. <clears throat> and i uh, done it, God did it three and a half years ago. And a lot of, a lot of feedback. So I got my UK friends out there. Keep your, uh, just get on ddpyoga.com or diamonddollspage.com and you'll know when it's coming. And, uh, and then we're going to hit from, you know, from Glasgow down to London and Birmingham and Manchester and all the main cities. So look forward to seeing everybody. Wow. See you next week, bro. We'll see you guys next week here on DDP Snake Pit.